Today I've met with Kylian Maris. Kylian is the CMO at Momenta Group Global, which is an on-demand professional resource and services company. With Kylian, we talked about many things, and uh, among others, we talked about uh, what it is to be a nomad marketer. We talked about the importance of focusing on the target customer rather than the tactics. Uh, we also talked about the importance of leading with vulnerability when you're managing teams. Uh, I've had a great chat with Kylie-Anne, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Her name is Kylie-Anne Maritz. Welcome, uh, and thank you so much for joining me today uh, for this, uh, this new episode of the podcast. Um, I'm so grateful that you, you, you took the time uh, with us. Um, so you're CMO at uh, Momenta uh, Group Global. Um, so before we start, I'd love for you to tell us a bit more about that and uh, what you do and uh, yeah, your, your current position currently at uh, Momenta. Great. Thanks, Badis. It's uh, lovely to be talking with you today. So yes, I am uh, Chief Marketing Officer at Momenta Group Global. Uh, they're a contingent resourcing, resourcing for firm, if you would, and they operate in the financial services, legal and technology space uh, largely. So for me, I obviously look after all aspects of the brand, internal and external, ensuring that we are obviously best positioned to not only communicate our value proposition to potential clients um, that require our services, but also to ensure that we are um, presented as an attractive brand, both to acquire new talent and um, to ensure that our existing talent and internal teams are proud to be brand ambassadors of, of our brand. Um, yeah, for me as a marketer, I'm someone you refer to as a nomad marketer or also known as a, a marketing generalist. Um, I've worked across various territories, industries, and marketing disciplines, B2B, B2C, B2B2B, you name it. Um, and obviously a whole load of different sectors from tech to retail to FMCG, events and power, uh, mining, etc. So yeah, a lot of different, different and exciting areas. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so currently, uh, how many people do you have under management in your team? Um, it's ever growing. Uh, currently, there are about six people, and um, we are obviously recruiting for more to grow our global marketing team. So it's definitely an exciting time for us. Awesome. Um, so you, you've obviously, uh, you know, we've all been affected by the by the crisis and uh, what's happening right now. Um, how do you keep your team motivated with the? With all these uh, these events and all these uh, uncertain times. Yeah, so I'm a firm believer in what I call equal playing fields, um, in that we maintain a flat structure with within the team. Um, we all, you know, get dirty together and do the dirty work, if you would, but nice. we all um, do all the nice work and take all all the credit together as well. I think. In these times, especially, but in generally, in general, um, vulnerability is a key word for me as a leader, and you know, being able to showcase that, um, so your team can see that you know you are equally as vulnerable as as what they are at any given moment, because you're a human being, um, and I think just for them to know that 
you know they have your your support that you you understand the the various things that that they are going through and um also to know that you know apart from from a leader or a manager you know you are the psychologist you are the best friend you are the brother the sister the mother the father whatever they need at any given time is really important to be able to build that trust between each other and i think with that and with the trust is what comes the motivation because once you've got that as as the basis and the core of the team it's then easy to come together as a team and go okay we have got this task we have got this to do how are we going to do it as one unit together um rather than you go do this you go do that um approach that's that's really interesting and um my, my question about this is how do you actually uh show them that they can be vulnerable like what do you do to make them feel comfortable and make them open up to you well i show them my vulnerability um i'm okay with not knowing anything uh well not knowing everything rather more than anything um and i lean on them in exactly the same way that that they lean on me so um they know if i don't know an answer or don't understand certain things that I will find out for us um, or do the, the research around it, I will equally ask them. So I think with me, it's, show, it's showcasing my vulnerability, just showcasing that on some days when I don't feel okay, um, you know, for them to be able to see that we are dealing with, with a human being here. It's not, it's not someone that's always, you know, got everything together all the time. And I think there's a perception that as a manager or as a leader, you know, you need to showcase that you have it together all the time. And for me, that's just not human. So if you can't show your human side, it's very difficult to expect other people to be vulnerable with you and show their human side for you to be able to really tap in into you to help each other, essentially. Yeah. And you think just uh, showing that you uh, that side, uh, you know, that, that vulnerability yourself is enough to build that trust. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's, uh, uh, it could be enough, but uh, is there any way you express it? Uh, is there any system that you have in place where uh, you invite them to talk and like freely and just express themselves? We said any moments. Uh, how does that work? Yeah. So um, lines of communication are really important. Um, it's something that's especially in these times we you know we over communicate rather than than under communicate um i think obviously there's a lot of digital platforms and that that, that make it possible uh for me i check in with the team daily um we you know we, we work on various projects together um i prioritize them above above everything um and just obviously them having access to me at any given time. Um, just finding new ways to manage as well than the traditional macro management style or micro management style, because those are the, the two traditional ones. And I think prior to COVID or prior to the situation that we find ourselves in, um, obviously micromanagement has always been frowned upon as a bad uh, method of management. And everybody's adopted, well, a lot of people have adopted the macro management style, which is, you know, managing from afar, kind of taking the aerial view of everything. But I think that these times have actually required a very unique 
form of management. And that is not micro or macro, but it actually is something that both become vulnerable during this time. No, they don't want to be unnecessary micromanaged, but they do want that contact. They do want to know that you're taking an interest in what they're doing, that you are asking more questions than normally, that you are checking in more than, than normally but still maintaining that kind of level of trust that, that they can do it. So it's taken for me a very unique form of leadership to be in constant contact with my team where they don't feel they're being micromanaged, but they do feel that they are being overly supported, if that's a, if that's a thing, um, but at the same time still give them the, the freedom that they need to be expressive, innovative and creative within that's so interesting that you put it this way. Like I've never thought about it in a, because we need more contact for sure. And I mean, we are, we are based in France and I just read yesterday that the, the there's a, basically a, an open line that you can call if you're depressed or if you feel like a lot of anxiety or having suicidal thoughts or whatever, it's literally exploding with the second lockdown that we are going through in France. Uh, so people are feeling particularly vulnerable and but at the same time, so you need to be present, but at the same time, you cannot feel like, uh, you know, you, you cannot make them feel like you're on top of them all the time. Um, and it's true that it's very hard to find that balance. And uh, I know I'm just curious, like uh, you, you talked about using platforms. Uh, what do you, what do you use exactly to, 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 you know, keep that, uh, keep in touch, but not, you know, and uh, uh, how, how do you do that? How, what kind of platforms do you use? So as a business, we employ a Microsoft Teams um, as, as our platform. And I think the nice thing about that is because it allows for a lot of, of collaboration. I mean, obviously, you know, your typical video calls can, can be had there, but also just general chats and, you know, creating different groups of people that need to be formulated of the different teams as you would normally have them when you were in the office, for example. Um, also being able to upload content there that you can together all work on live at the same time. Um, so yeah, video call is, is very important as well. I think um, people underestimate the importance of you know, being able to just see somebody's face um, and just have, have that discussion. You know. um, what we also do is we are a very social company I and mean, we're a very social group of people as well. So um, just being able to, you know, after hours, just take that social element of whether we're going to sit together and, you know, have a dinner, if you would, even if it's virtually or, you know, play a game or do some training or share some ideas. So, yeah, so it, it is mostly digital. Um, but what we do aim to do as a team as well, like when we are allowed to and, you know, when, when it's safe to do so, to actually still go into the office and get together, even just be in the same space, collaborate, work as much as, as we can. So if that's every two weeks or whatever it is, um, we do aim to do that because it just kind of invigorates the team again, gets them excited, um, gets them focused next two weeks till we meet again. And then we just keep that constant contact, obviously, over, over digital platforms. Awesome. Um, you told me you were a, a nomad marketer. I, I, I like this uh, expression. I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal it. Uh, yeah, is it, uh, so you, you, so you mean like you've had uh, leadership roles in, uh, in different industries and you've changed like, uh, 
quite often the, the your company your position like how why do you define yourself as a nobody marketer i think it's a funny expression yeah so i think a lot of people well a lot of marketers you get specialist marketers in different areas you know you get marketers that have worked in b2b their entire career and they would probably be in one industry or maybe two industries but they kind of tend to stick to let's say b2b or b2c or b2b2b and then in different kind of areas so you know you'd normally get a, a fmcg marketer would have been an fmcg for quite a number of, of their years or eventing marketers are also a good example because they tend to stick to large conference scale exhibitions etc for their entire career whereas for me i've kind of I, I've marketed everything from a can of baked beans, if you would, straight through to, you know, luxury gold coin investment products, straight through to power, you know, power and utility events. And now I'm in, obviously, I'm in resourcing. I'm varied. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and what I've found about just hopping around into different industries is the knowledge that you gain about the target market. So at any given time, you are actually targeting the same person, just in a different capacity. Um, because, you know, the, the person that I'm targeting today in the financial industry is also the person that I targeted when I was in um, the luxury um, gold coin investment area, is also the person that I targeted when I was in um, FMCG because they are someone who would go to the grocery store and you know buy buy groceries. So it's interesting to understand a target or a person from a 360 degree perspective within their life. And I also think the various tactics that you um, deploy in each of these various industries and various kind of marketing verticals. Um, are adaptable. So this is where innovation comes in. It's being able to take a tactic that you will um, employ in a B2C space and swap it into a B2B to fit into a B2B environment in a completely different industry. So something that you would use to market a, a can of baked beans, for example, being able to adapt that to market a, um, you know, a gold coin or being able to use it for talent acquisition is, do, you have an, is, do you have an example for about this? It's super interesting. Like, how do you do you have a tactic uh, you used, for example, in both? And yeah, definitely. So um, when I worked in in FMCG, um, we obviously did a lot of of brand advertising um, in terms of partner partner marketing, for example. Um, we did a lot of um, we did a lot of partnership marketing, for example, with, with Coca-Cola or, or I don't know if I can mention brands, but okay. um, quite, quite a lot of them. Um, and just taking that kind of thought process into the events industry, for example, which is quite B2B focused. They focus on just their databases and just growing up their databases and not really thinking in terms of how can we reach this target market via third parties and employing it there and going, well, actually, you know, we, we can create partnerships um, with, with media. We can create partnerships with third party people that, that have this kind of database. Um, and how do we advertise more above the line with them to start attracting more people? Um, I definitely, I employed that strategy 
uh, within the first six months that I had started with an events company a few years ago. And um, this event had been going for 15 years and we actually managed to triple our, um, our attendee footfall within, within six, within six months. So, yeah. Yeah. So you basically think about marketing more as a set of, uh, techniques and, um, uh, skills that, uh, apply basically to, you know, many different industries and not, you're not like specialized within a, uh, one, one set of, te- of techniques and all. I, I think it, uh, it definitely makes sense because, uh, you know, it's a bit cliche, but at the end of the day, you're marketing to humans, to people that are the same if they are buying for their business or if they're buying for, you know, uh, doing their groceries. Uh, and so I definitely agree that uh, you can definitely, you know, move from an industry to another. Uh, but, you know, ramping up that, uh, that knowledge about the market, how do you do it when you, when you get into a new industry, a new role? How do you get into that role and, uh, and learn about this market? Yeah, so I think there's various ways to learn about it. Um, the first one is being open to learn and being open to listen. I think that is my favorite term is, is listening. I think a lot of people go in with the mindset of um, either the mindset of I know everything, so I'm untouchable, which is you've already failed, in my opinion, with, with that. Um, and they failed to listen to other people because they portrayed to know everything. Whereas my approach is largely to question whoever I possibly can within an industry, within a business, um, internally first and really extract their knowledge and keep extracting their knowledge to, to understand an industry from their perspective. The second part of that for me is talking to in general discussions with them about how they see the industry, um, you know, what, what is their opinions on them so I can extract their knowledge. And then the third one is largely is through, through learning and reading. Um, there's so much out there in terms of blogs, webinars. I mean, it's just really, really down, down to research. But asking questions and, you know, not being not being afraid or, or embarrassed to be the, the newbie in the industry is yeah. rather excited to learn something new, I think is what is key to really, really uncovering an industry. Mm-hmm. And also being patient with yourself. Um, I think it's it's important to to understand that you have the skill set, you've got the tools, and you will learn the, the industry as, as you go. It's not something that will happen overnight. Um, but your knowledge will increase the more you, you get into it and the more passionate you become about it. So when you, when you joined uh, the, your current company, uh, Momenta Global, did you actually, uh, there was a team that was there before or did you recruit everyone that, uh, that you have on the team right now? So you obviously, you, you, so you, had, you had people that are already there, right? So some of the people were already there. Uh, most of the team is new that's being put together. Um, also they are not all necessarily people that were recruited in but they were people that were moved around from different areas of, of the business that had interest in in marketing and wanted to be upskilled or trained in in that department oh okay i see um yeah. so and so uh, the um i i suppose the the people who came from the industry already maybe uh you know kind of helped you get in the industry understand the you know the um, 
the market and the the buyers, etc. How did they help you do that? Your team. Yeah, so I was very lucky um, when when I started. Um, I had an amazing team. I still have an amazing team. Um, they've been there for for some time. Um, where they might have been junior in terms of their skills from a marketing perspective, they did know the industry very well because they'd also worked in different different areas of it. So you know they were very open and outright to assisting me, um, to you know teaching me different methods. Obviously, I would come with a lot of new perspectives and and ideas, some of which they would be forthright and open and going, that might work, that might not work. Um, there was a lot of back and forth and, you know, just really just keeping the lines of communication open. They didn't expect me to know everything from day one, exactly the same way I didn't expect them to know everything in terms of marketing. But I think just largely just collaborating together, having patience with each other. Um, we got there in the end and we continue to learn because obviously it's, it's a never learning thing. You never, you never stop learning because the industry keeps evolving. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I was, as I said, I was really, really lucky to have a, a team that were just so open and excited to to teach um, someone new. So you 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 helped them upskill, you know, in marketing, and they helped you learn about the market. That that was kind of the exchange, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that's great. Um, and how did you help them? Did you actually train them like in person and set at a time with them? Did you send them to training companies? Did you buy courses for them? How did you help them learn the skills, the marketing skills that, uh, that are necessary? Yeah, so um, some of my team went on um, marketing courses, but that was obviously previously to me being there. Um, I have trained all of them and continue to train all of them, obviously myself. Um, I show them previous examples of, of things that have been done or that I have done in the past. Um, what I like to do is I like to send them off to do research themselves. And often I've got a, um, I've got a saying where I will give them something and they won't necessarily know how to do it, but they know that I do it on purpose because I prefer that they go and struggle, research, figure something out that they think works and then come back together and then we can refine it together. This allows them to obviously find their own style as well of, of doing something, which I think is really important as a marketer because not one shoe fits all. Not all marketers do things the same way. We don't all think in the same way. We don't all style in which you do things that, that work for you from the get-go. And then having someone just sit with you and help you refine that is more valuable than someone going, uh, do it my way. This is how I do it. Uh, I just think you understand it more when it's coming from yourself. Definitely. Um, especially that I think if you're a marketer, you need to be able to learn by yourself uh, a lot. So I, I definitely understand that you you first, uh, you know, let them go through the, the learning process by themselves and then probably help them with an extra extra push and some mentorship. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's really a great model. Uh, but do you find time to do this for like everyone and for every topic? Because um, I mean, for you know certain topics, I I think it's uh, it's something you should invest time on. But uh, you know, uh, it's not easy to to spend that much time in mentorship and and, and leading everyone and uh, 
so how do you find the time to do this? Yeah, time is definitely a, a, a factor. Um, and no, it's not. I mean, I would be lying if I said to you, yeah, there's plenty of time to do that. And, and we always do do it. Um, so obviously, as much as I can, as we are going along, we ensure to, to have those discussions. We put in a lunch and learn session that we have every every few weeks on specific topics that I you know let them let them come to me with on what they would like to learn but more specific we learn in practice so um, you know there are campaigns that we need to execute there are obviously different things across marketing that, that we are doing so it's it's learning in practice and I think for me as a leader it's just putting in enough time into those campaigns and just forward planning to take into consideration that I am training and I am upskilling people alongside and that yes, it would be very easy and fast for me to sit down and just do it myself and go right, go do that. But that is not going to help us as a team in the long run. The more people understand and the more you're upskilling them, the more you're also creating time for equal kind of uh, distribution amongst the team. So what I do is a lot of what we learn and how we do, we do it in practice. And for me, it's about trusting my team to take something, me knowing that they are going to learn as we're doing this and just supporting them along, along the way to own the campaigns and to go and learn the various tactics that they need to along the way and just making sure that I factor that into the time of the amount of time that we need to roll out a, a campaign. So we still obviously hit deadlines and Time, but at the same time we're upskilling and learning that's great um, I mean a lot of people uh, make the choice of uh, outsourcing the, the basically the whatever skills they don't have um, you know just outsourcing it to an agency or uh, but you making the choice of, of keeping uh, you know the, the skills in, uh, internally and, and training people that's that's amazing and um, you know um, you know I mean everyone I think can agree that uh, training, coaching, mentoring is, is a key part of, of being a great manager. Um, but that's a skill as well. And, uh, uh, you know, you had to learn it at some point. So can you tell me about that? Like, how did it work in, the, in, the, in your first days as a manager? And how did you kind of take that role and learn this, this skill that is very hard to learn sometimes? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely, again, it's, it's not easy, you know, um, and I try to explain this to, to many people. You don't wake up one day and, and become a great manager, you know. Uh, we've all fallen along the way. Uh, we've all had difficult discussions and we've all had people have difficult discussions with us. I think I've certainly learned a lot <laughs> from being a manager, even from, from my younger, you know, my, my earlier career. Um, in terms of, of managing people and just really learning to, to take feedback, I think is, is really important. Um, and, you know, sometimes people will come with feedback that you, you don't like, but it's instead of, you know, internalizing that and, you know, be becoming bitter about it, it's how do you take that and make yourself better and grow so you can ensure that, you know, you, you are growing the people around you. Because at the end of the day, I think 
the most successful thing as a manager, what makes you a successful manager is being able to look back on all the people that you have managed, that you have worked with a, a mentor to them, but also to see their success and how, how they've managed to grow and how you've been a pivotal part of that. So yeah, as, as I said, um, for me, it was largely along my career of being able to have very, you know, take very strong feedback from, from many people for different things, you know, from you don't delegate uh, enough or, you know, you, you know, you, you've tried to do everything yourself because you want to do it fast or whatever the case might be to, I want more responsibility or whatever it would be, but just really taking that on and um, understanding it and having that at the back of your head all the time and working on it in every step as what you do and just understanding that you are human and it's okay. Um, but just making sure that you make progress with, with those points each time. Did someone help you uh, with this feedback or was it just your, the team you managed that gave you feedback that sometimes, you know, uh, included some kind of self reflection and, and change or was it someone maybe a bit more uh, experienced that helped you and guided you through this? Yeah, I think I've, I've had plenty of mentors in, you know, in my life. Some, some have been good. Some have been not so good, but even oh. the not good ones. <laughs> Why? Have taught me. Well, because I think where they would think that, that they were good or let's say, let's say they weren't mentors. I call them mentors because I think that even from bad experiences, you, you learn things. So I think um, I've learned a lot about the kind of manager I don't want to be or the kind of leader that I don't want to be as well as the kind of leader that I do want to be for many amazing mentors that, that I have had um, throughout my career, including, for example, our, um, my current CEO, um, who's in, who, um, for the company that I work for, he's, he's one of my, my latest mentors and somebody that I, I look up to in terms of how he deals with people um, and the company as, as a whole. Um, but yeah, in, in general, there's been, there's been people that my own team for one as well, just listening to them, taking on their feedback. And it's something that I always ask for as well currently. Um, I, think, I think leaders are, they sometimes avoid the question of what can I do better? And even more so, I think some might ask it, but they don't ask it in an earnest way. So their team don't feel comfortable in giving the real feedback. Whereas for me, I think as I've, as I've grown as, as a leader, that is the first thing I instill in every member in my team from the get-go is I'm going to ask you every week what I could have done better last week. And I expect you to be honest with me and, and tell me so I can grow and become better in the same way that I as a leader am going to give you feedback on where you could have done better so you can continue to grow. So yeah, so I think feedback has come from many different areas for me. Um, I've had, as I said, great mentors, great people that I have, have reported to um, in business, but also personal, because I think your, your personality and your traits as a, as a person and how you interact with people in general in life is, is something that you pull through to all areas of, of your life. Um, and then people that have reported into me as well have always given me really earnest feedback, which has helped.
I love the way you you talked about good mentors and bad mentors or good managers, bad managers, because I think to be a good manager, you definitely need to have had some bad managers in your life at some point. Uh, there's yeah. no better way to know what not to do. You know, the, you talked about the leader you, don't, you didn't want to be. So that's, that, I think it's a, it's a great point. Like uh, you remember those too, but uh, they actually kind of help you uh, be better but uh, you know obviously you just wish they don't uh, damage you too much uh, <laughs> you know for you to to kind of uh, give up or whatever but uh, at some point it's always uh, still a good experience to have you know to just experience bad management as well and see what it looks like absolutely uh, so that's that's great um, can you tell me about you know what's next for you because you you're a nomad marketer you you I, I think you're a very curious person who likes to explore new industries and have uh, you know and kind of thrive on that i definitely recognize myself there as well I, I like to to have new challenges and learn about new topics and new areas uh so what's next for you do you want to you know uh, what's your objectives currently with your team and with the uh, uh with your company like tell, tell me about your, your next steps yeah, so I think for me, um, with my current company, I've been there for about um, a year and a bit now. So I think um, just just from a long term perspective, I'm going to be there for, for some time. Um, there is lots to be done on, on the brand. Um, and we are continuously learning and doing new things with it. And I think what is really refreshing for me as a marketer is to be part of a company and a brand where the CEO buys into the marketing um, aspect of it and is a, a huge supporter of it. Um, we have, you know, a, a platform where we can innovate, where we can learn, where we can come with ideas, where we can do new things. And I think that it just doesn't get boring if so and we are constantly doing that and with doing that we, we are constantly finding new ways so i think what's next for us is we've just built a, a brand new brand or we've just rebranded a 30 year old company global company um so there is so much opportunity in there in what we are doing at the moment so for us it's really to continue to position the brand grow it as the industry leader um, that it is and really just see it bloom in each of the different territories that, that it is um, at the moment and just finding new innovative ways to keep communicating our, our message to, to our target market. So my focus at the moment is largely on, on that and on, on the company and that's what it will probably be in the foreseeable, foreseeable future. Um, longer term, what is next? Um, I think I am someone who enjoys working on multiple brands and there, there is a lot of knowledge that I've obviously acquired from working in, in different, different industries. So um, it is something that I would like to share and help a whole lot of different companies build on their marketing strategies, their brands, um, and just assist them in taking it to the next level. I've worked in a number of um, startups as well. So that's always been fun and, you know, being able to help them position their brands as well. So 
I definitely think the future for me would be something along um, like a marketing consultant for, for various um, businesses, but also probably a marketing um, insights leader um, in, in different kind of areas of strategy and just really looking at, at innovating marketing. If, yeah, innovating marketing. Maybe you could help us then. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep in touch. Uh, <laughs> yeah so um yeah i think it's um i think it's it's great if you if you have that hunger to share your knowledge and uh, and do that it's uh, it's really amazing um but i feel that it's something that really drives you know like when you talk about this a lot about uh, teaching and training people and uh, it's not every manager that i talk to that uh, spends the time that to actually do the training with their team and uh, and help them upskill themselves they usually uh, you know, I mean, it's it's the, the the more normal thing is usually to outsource it to an agency or just uh, you know get a, a training company in and uh, and train people. Uh, so you, you seem to have that. Is it something that you had like uh, always this uh, this drive to teach others and and share your knowledge and mentor people? And uh, uh, is it something that you discovered uh, a bit a bit later in your life, or was it something you you knew and you had in yourself early on? Yeah, I mean, I just think as as a person, I'm a I'm a big people people's person, um, and and I, I believe in in people quite a lot. I think um, my degree actually that I, that I studied was psychology, go go to see because because I do have a passion for for people and just really enjoy seeing them seeing them do well. Um, I do work with a number of agencies. Got some great agencies that that work with us. Um, not necessarily training agencies, I mean, they're advertising agencies, social media agencies, PR agencies. Um, and it's amazing to have them as an extension of, of the team. But I think there is so much value in creating a team that is knowledgeable, that is upskilled, that is cut from your cloth. Because essentially, in the long run, it makes life so much easier. Um, it just frees up so much time as well to be able to distribute those kind of responsibilities across the team. And also, no one will ever understand your business as much as the people internally um, will understand it. And ev they will understand every single nuance that no matter how brilliant the agency is, and I said I work with some pretty amazing agencies, even the ones that have helped us build the brand, um, they will never understand even they will never understand to the degree that someone internally um, would understand so I find upskilling your team internally and having them all be really strong in the different areas of, of what it is that we actually do is really really important for future success and ongoing success yeah definitely agree um, I think it's a balance like you cannot obviously keep uh, have all the skills in house, but uh, if you can, uh, yeah, definitely upskill and keep it in house as much as possible. Um, yeah. And so you, um, yeah, it's it's usually a question I like to to, to finish with, and uh, you know, it's a question, it's a topic that is um, widely discussed, and uh, everyone has uh, his or her own definition of it. But uh, I want to talk about uh, happiness at work and. Uh, what it means to you and how you yeah how do you try to think about this when you're thinking about your about your team about things that you want to implement for them um, 
you know, how do you define uh, this concept of happiness at work? Does, does, it, uh, does it mean something to you? Absolutely. I think you spend most of your life at work. Um, I've always been a firm believer and it's something I've actually said to every single person I've managed. And it's always been this. If you wake up in the morning, if you ever wake up in the morning and you feel unhappy to come to work, quit. And I, and I say that earnestly and people will be very shocked with that statement. And I make that and I say that because it's okay to wake up some mornings and go, oh, I don't feel like this today. You know, we are all human, but not feeling like something and just being unhappy are completely two different things. The way it can actually affect your psyche, your ability to perform, um, it, it's just so huge that it's not worth it on, on your person. So I've always said this to each and every single one of my, my team members. If you ever wake up in the morning and you feel unhappy, like unhappy, quit. Because work should not make you feel unhappy. Um, to me, what makes me happy is, is seeing others in my team happy and, and succeeding. Um, because if they're succeeding and they're happy, that means I'm doing something right as well, um, which, which makes me happy. Equally, um, it makes me happy to see the brand, the brand growing um, through the hard work, innovation, and time that my team has collectively put in it to grow it. Um, I mean, you, you will know this, but being a marketer is, is a thankless job at, at times. Um, we know what we're doing and, you know, we have faith in it to, to perform, but it takes a while for things to come to, to fruition and others to see the fruit of, of your labor. So it's always a happy moment when, when that happens. And I think um, when you're pushing and, and when you're in that kind of space of going through the campaign, of knowing that you're doing the tactics right, um, even though there are people around you that will be doubting it, you know, they will be questioning it. It's just that kind of key thing of just not losing your nerve. <laughs> and I find that a lot lose, a lot lose their nerve just before they're about to hit, hit the, the goal that, that they're looking to do. So it's just constantly just reassuring, having faith in your skills and, and knowing that you have done this before plenty of times and not to become unnerved um, when things are taking time. And just remember that obviously, you know, marketing is not something that happens overnight. It's, it's a process and it will take a while to clock over. And when it does, and that machine is obviously ticking correctly, that is when all the benefits are coming. But in terms of, of happiness for me, it's, it's definitely the people that I work with, you know, being appreciated as well and, and having, being surrounded by people that understand, um, might not understand what it is that we're doing, but are supportive of what it is can realize the, um, the value of it, even from the smaller, smallest thing to the biggest thing um, is, is important for me. So having my leaders around me value that, having the team around me value that, and then just in turn for me, just having, seeing them upskill, seeing them succeed, seeing them excited um, about what it is that we're doing is really what, what makes me happy to wake up in the morning and, and go to work. Love it. Thank you, Kailan. It's uh, was very inspiring to hear this, and uh, I I think you know when you talked about frustration and not seeing things work for a while as a marketer, 
yeah, I mean, that's something that uh, you need to be super determined and, uh, and uh, if you don't enjoy the, um, you know, the, the process of it and the, the, the teamwork and everything that goes behind it, if you're just uh, thrive on the results, yeah, you're going to have a bad time because like most of what you do doesn't work and it takes so much time and it's, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a great way to put it. Um, so thank you so much uh, for your time. Um, do, do you have, um, can you tell us where we can connect with you online? Yeah, sure. Thank you. This has been, it's been great speaking to you. You can connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me under Kalyan Moritz. Um, there's a lot of articles that I write there as well in regard to marketing and, and leadership and, and different um, tactics as well. Um, so it would be great to engage with like-minded people. Thank you so much. And uh, it was great having you. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you.